living in a world that's all by design, it's up to us to break the chains of tyranny to become we, the ungovernable. You are listening to the Renegades Rant Podcast with your host, the Kentucky Renegade. You want an apparel company that soars above the rest? Then Jim Eagle Outfitters is your patriotic shop. With Jim Eagle Outfitters, this company stands for our inalienable and God-given rights. From their t-shirts, hoodies, beanies, hats, and tumblers, they stand out with their patriotism. Check out jeoutfitters.com. God, family, country, and your right to bear arms. Do you want to stand out in 2024? Well, go to innermugs.com. There you will find the best military-inspired ordnance tumblers. Designed by an actual EOD tech, these tumblers will blow out the competition. Check out the new Hellfire Guided Missile Tumbler, 500-pound bomb tumblers, and to help raise money for Change Unchained, they have the Burn It Down Thermite Tumbler, which the proceeds will go to Change Unchained. It's all the flair without the pop. Welcome to the show, everybody. Happy New Year. It is 2024. We are just in the beginning of the shit show that we call this world. And I have an amazing guest on today. I have been looking forward to this uh, this podcast for a while to get him on. And you may know him as the organizer of the Canadian Freedom Convoy, Chris Barber. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Hey, no problem. Uh so how is your new year's going you know so far it's it's been it's been pretty darn good we're at home here the last little bit we've been trying to get some maintenance done in the shop a lot of office work caught up and just some stuff around the yard that i've been kind of neglecting here for the last while so it's been good it's good just have family around and, and chill out and enjoy the holidays and each other so did you guys have a good holiday up there we did yeah family come over my wife's family my family we all got together in the house we uh, had a few drinks played some board games watched a little bit of movies and and just chilled out and relaxed and visited like what you should be doing in the holidays yeah and it's probably been really good for you considering you know going through the trial and everything yeah we're four months into the trial in ottawa so as anybody knows canada it's quite a vast country um it's three thousand kilometers what would that be in miles probably about 2500 20 2200 miles across to ottawa that we've spent four months away from home now so a lot of stuff is happening at home you know you got animals here you got a farm to look after you got a trucking company to look after and uh, it's been quite challenging for the last four months so so who's been taking care of the business while you've been gone so a lot of the responsibility has been put on my 20 year old son jonathan he uh he's been trucking for me for the last number of years since he was 18 and uh and he's been looking after dispatch and customers and and load quoting and all that my daughter's been looking after a lot of the invoicing and some of the office administrative stuff so between the two of them they've really stepped up to the plate and that's a lot on on a 20 year old shoulders to be dispatching five trucks right now but he's done it quite well well that just goes to show you you raised them right and that's yeah that's amazing to see out of a a 20 year old these days oh yeah, he's doing some pretty big stuff for 20 years old. You know, when I started driving, you know, in Canada, we can start, we get our CDL when we're 18. Uh, we can't cross that international border till we're 21, of course. So he's been trucking up here. But when we, when I started off when I was 18, I was doing legal loads and deck loads and grain and hoppers, that sort of stuff. 
that kid's went from 18 years old getting his license and moved right into hauling combines, sprayers. He's up to hauling, pulling the big air seeders down the highway right now. And, and up north here, they're quite large. You know, they range anywhere from 25 to 30 feet wide and, and 20 feet tall and 150 feet long and 150,000 pounds. And we pull them behind our truck. So it's one of the new things he's been doing this this winter, this fall, and excelling at it. He's quite the kid. Man, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I could have done that at 18. <laughs> no, I was doing after, I was doing different stuff at 18, and I know it was uh, partying on the weekends and <laughs> work wasn't necessarily the priority. Right. Yeah. My dad was a trucker. My whole family is full of truckers. So, you know, my grandfather, a couple of my uncles, and my dad, you know, they were, they were truckers. So I grew up in a trucking household and, you know, I did it for a little bit. It wasn't actual driving a truck, but it was driving delivery for FedEx Brown. Hmm. I was driving those big vans and, and doing deliveries. But uh, about the biggest I ever did was a, it was like a 30-foot straight truck. It was a Penske truck. So uh, nothing near is like driving a semi and, and, you know, hauling stuff. My dad, he used to deliver. He used to run doubles all the time from here and uh I don't know if you know where Evansville, Indiana is, but it's the southern part of Indiana. And he's run, you know, pretty much everywhere, Indy, St. Louis, you know, Cincinnati. So he was always driving through all the nastiness of ice and snow and, you know, then having some pretty nice days and then having the really bad windy days. But, you know, I got to ride with him here and there every once in a while. He would sneak me with him. So it was interesting to, to ride with him. So just kind of get the experience of what he had to deal with. (laughs) Yeah, I remember when I was 21 years old, I I was itching, chomping at the bit to be 21 years old so I could cross that border and start trucking in the U.S. with the big boys and and, uh, interstates and that. And I've been, I think, 30 30 some years now driving. I've been I've been all over the U.S. My 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 usually my freight always originates in the U.S. comes north. So I've been I've been all lower 48 and and I absolutely it's an amazing lifetime doing that. You're trucking all across the U S you, you know, you get to see some beautiful sights and I've, I've always enjoyed it. I've yet to be to Canada, but I would love to come up there someday just to sightsee, not to stay, but just sightsee unless, you know, Trudeau's gone and everything's changed. Oh, one can only hope that'll happen someday. <laughs> we've been trying, we've been trying. So how long have you been a trucker? Uh, I got my license when I was 18. So, uh, I've been 32 years now. I've been on on the road. This is probably the first year where I've uh, I've been doing much the last four months. So I've been kind of close to home, and well, not trucking. I guess I've been you know out east, but yeah, 32 years of driving. It's been hard to believe. It's been that long already. Wow. Yeah, my dad uh, retired after 40 what, 44 years of driving. So nice. yeah, he had a long haul of of doing it. He was a uh, a helicopter mechanic in the military, and then when he came out, then you know he started driving truck. Good, but yeah, it's interesting uh, to, to for drivers and, and the things that a lot of the truck drivers nowadays have to go through um, is basically like being a civilian anymore. You're under surveillance in your truck, and you can only do so much, and you know you can't get away with doing some of the things like my dad used to do back in the day, and he used to talk about it all the time, and he got out just right when they start putting stuff in the trucks to slow them down and to start monitoring them. So he was just finally out of it. He's like, I'm done. Well, the e-logs have been, uh, you know, just a story about e-logs on the weekend here. One of our drivers, 
uh, wrecked his cable for his uh, electronic logbook box and so we took the the cable out of another truck to send him down to Nebraska for a load this week. He just loaded the Nebraska this morning, and the truck that we took the cable out of is one of is my son's truck. So it was almost like, well, you know, I can't go to work this week because I don't have a cable. And I and I kind of stopped to think about, okay, now the regulations have gotten so bad that we can't work because we're we're, we're missing a cable to plug an e log in, and we have to park our truck for the week. Bullshit! I kind of. I ordered the cable when I knew it was shot and it'll be here tomorrow afternoon, but I'm like, dude, <laughs> get to work, <laughs> you know, come on, regulations, regulations, but this is a living too. It's sad that we've yeah. gotten in such a state of such, you know, our regulations are overwhelming us right now when you think about it. So they're pretty consistent like the U.S. is on the regulations in the trucks? Yeah, we've got, you know, Ontario has speed governors in their trucks. You can't enter the, the province of Ontario unless your truck is legally governed. Uh, the prairies here where I live, we're, we're open on the on the, on the the governing, but everybody's e-log now. Um, our e-logs aren't exempt for anything. I think it's the uh, the year manufacturer of the truck for whose who's, uh, logbook exempt. So 2000 and uh, newer, everything has to have an e-log. And I know in the States, if you have a, you know, a pre-emission engine or a pre-2000 engine and a 2013 truck, you're e-log exempt because of that motor. But in Canada, they didn't do the rules like that. So it's a little different. Unreal. So now, if you would, just go a little bit into uh, getting the organization together to go and and protest these mandates kind of how did that fall fall into uh play well i think for me it well covid kind of was a tricky one right for most of us i think anybody that was trucking throughout the pandemic we uh we did some pretty horrendous things we uh we you know in canada here i know the bathroom was outdoors we weren't allowed to use a public washroom through covid um, you weren't even allowed to eat in a restaurant. You weren't allowed to, to, you know, we were standing in drive-through lineups trying to get a bite to eat on the highway out here, whether you're at McDonald's or wherever you may be, you can't take a semi through a drive-through and you can't go into the building. So the first while through COVID was quite trying, um, Saskatchewan where the province that I live up here, um, October, it was October 1st, 2021, when they introduced the COVID vaccine passport in order to eat in a restaurant, in order to go to a movie, in order to basically do anything. And at that point, I was not vaccinated and I refused to get vaccinated. I wasn't really on on par with getting it, seeing as it was rammed through so quickly and, and nobody knew exactly what was in it. And, you know, all the stuff that we're finding out right now, I guess. And we kind of... We dealt with it, and then uh, the Canadian government then then announced that they were going to put in the cross-border mandates for the truckers. So January 15th was the deadline. All cross-border drivers had to be vaccinated and, and, you know, the COVID vaccine passport, as well as an ArriveCan app, too, to get back into your own country, which, you know, basically was defying everything about freedom of anything in this country. We had to, you know, download an app to get entered back in your own country. So... January 15th, 2022, the mandate for the cross-border travel for uh, vaccinated truckers came into effect. And uh, I think it was about January 7th, I think a group of people got together on social media and started talking about, you know, there's something we got to do here um, to try and try and have a, a leg to stand on and, and all this government overreach. And and the, the plan to go to Ottawa was then birthed on early part of January 2022. And uh, we actually 
we left Western Canada here would have been on January 24th, arrived in, in Ottawa, Ontario, our nation's capital on uh, the 29th of, of January, and then proceeded to, uh, to get berated by our prime minister and name called and, and just about everything else the coward could do. When we got there, he, he of course got COVID and ran like a little, a girl, um, <laughs> and it just kind of escalated from there. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really reported too much here in the U.S. about what was going on up there. But luckily, through social media, through people I knew that lived up there in Canada, they kept us up to date on kind of what was going on. And, you know, with these mandates, I worked 21 years in the medical field and I worked a year through COVID and they started talking and having conversations that, you know, if there is any kind of vaccine that they came out with, they that we were going to have to take it. And I'm thinking, we've worked a year through it. And uh, the majority of us, yeah, we got it. Mm-hmm. Some of us had it bad. Some of us didn't really have it bad at all. I had it and I barely even felt it. You know, it was like a three-day thing and it was gone. Um, but when they started talking mandate. You know, they had a big, uh, what they would call a, uh, shit, I'm trying to think what they call it. Uh, it was just a, basically a big hospital meeting Mm -hmm. and they decided that they were going to, uh, agree that once the government comes out, because Trump was in the middle of talking about doing, uh, the warp speed and getting the vaccine going. Mm -hmm. And that was like right at the end of 2020 going into 2020 and then uh biden came in and of course he mandated it and they were like okay so we're gonna have to mandate and we're like no it's medical freedom we have the ability to say no uh we've always been given an exemption for like the flu shot um we're not gonna do it yeah so me and several other people we walked out walked away from our careers and our jobs knowing that we were walking away with no other, you know, way to earn money at the time. And we did what we had to do. I, uh, I did, you know, I I got vaccinated. I did. At the end of December, 2021, I I became vaccinated because of the cross border mandates. And it was kind of, you know, I held on as long as I could. Um, but I'd been looking at for however many years of running my business, keeping those big carriers away from my customer base. And now knowing that I was essentially handing those, that those contacts or contracts over to those big carriers that were my competition, because now all of a sudden I couldn't cross the border because of something the government did. And I had to weigh the pros and cons on that of whether I wanted to, you know, essentially, you know, trucks and trailers and equipment and shops and, and everything I had going there was all, you know, bankrupt probably. So, uh, I made that choice that I, I was going to get vaccinated and, and cross that border. And then it was only a matter of a week after that, when we decided that we were going to, we were going to actually take a stand against the government. Yeah. And to me, uh, that's where I just see you as a, a very true patriot to stand up and speak out against the government. And we all know what it means whenever we do that, we're putting ourselves out there. Um, we know the governments are listening, watching, and criticizing everything we do. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that you and 
the rest of the people that went up there and to Ottawa and throughout Canada, everything that you guys did, that was just a patriotic move. And, you know, just the people here in the U.S. were standing with you. And we just didn't understand why nobody here in the U.S. was doing anything until they decided that they want to do a trucker convoy here. And it really didn't resonate and it really didn't do anything. It was so, it was so, uh, you know, they so covered it up like really bad. I know that one of our biggest allies through the, for the freedom convoy was Fox news, Newsmax. Um, that we were, you know, I was on Sean Hannity twice. I was on Tucker once. Um, we were on Newsmax programs nonstop, but when it come to the U S the convoy there like nobody talked about it fox kind of dropped it newsmax dropped it nobody social media was where where we are going and man it just seems like is there any news media organizations out there that aren't corrupted anymore pretty much no i mean during the whole COVID thing we just got to see and experience the propaganda and the lies that media whether it's in our country or other countries were doing and it's unreal to me that, you know, they got this was just a all out design and a plan and an agenda from the get go. And I think a lot more people are starting to wake up to that. It is now. I've seen that, uh, you know, and the government keeps playing their hand and they know that since they've essentially been called out in the last number of years here, that they're, they've actually sped their process up for their, you know, their agenda. And they're, they're pushing forward on it regardless of what anybody has to say about it. So they're exposing themselves more and more all the time. I remember Justin Trudeau saying in Canada, once we hit 70% of vaccinated Canadians, um, herd immunity would take over and we would be good. And we, we allegedly hit that 70% and, and then he stride for 90%. And to this day, they're still pushing. But I think now, I heard figures the other day that the, the people that are actually becoming boosted now are is around that 16% because nobody trusts what the government's done to us now in the last couple of years. Right. I mean, <laughs> you just look at all the people that are dropping over dead. Oh, terrible. I mean, I mean just, just look at the soccer players that are i think it's like 1340 something soccer players now today um have dropped over either with cardiac arrest stroke or some kind of heart ailment yep that's his soccer players and that's high endurance athletes that have no reason to drop over because of this stuff and we all know what it is um and a lot more people are waking up to it and the fact that we need to stand together and stand up against this is I think it's, it's a must. And what you guys were starting to do up there in Canada um, with the trucker convoy, uh, it brought a lot of attention. And I think little Justine was butthurt over it. Oh yeah. We know this is political right now. I mean, we're uh, I've got some, a lot of friends in law enforcement. I speak with a lot of different people across the country right now. And everyone's flabbergasted to see how, you know, a mischief trial that Tamara and I are going through right now, you know, it was supposed to be 16 days in length. It's now 32 days in in trial. It's taken, you know, four months and we're basically going to be going into March now. So that's just for mischief, uh, unheard of. (laughs) It's, it's not kidding. It's making them look worse by the day, but they, they keep, you know, they're in it to win it now. So. Have you ever seen this many veteran and American-owned companies together in one shop? Well, welcome to Hard Luck's All-American Shop. 
This is a veteran-owned business that has partnered with some of the most badass veteran companies out there, such as Nine Line, Till Valhalla Project, Blackout Coffee Company, K-Bar Soap Company, Duke Cannon, Warfighters.com, and Internet Mugs. So please go check out HardLuxAllAmerican.com, veteran and American-owned products and businesses. What are all the charges they have against you? I know mischief, but what are the the rest of the charges? So I've got seven indictable offenses against myself. Tamara has six. I have, uh, we both have mischief charges. We both have counseling mischief charges. We have intimidation of a peace officer and then counseling on top of that. And the third is uh, going against a court order. And I've got two counseling charges on that. Tamara has one. So seven in total for me. Uh, mischief, as you know, is normally a summary offense. It's a slap on the wrist and out you go. You're out of out of custody within a few hours. So, Tamara spent 49 days in jail in uh, in Ottawa, and she was actually she was released after I think the first 18 days she spent in jail. She was released on bail, um, and then went to an event, and and there was another person in that room that that she had conditions against. And even though the room was full of lawyers and the contact orders states, you know, legal counsel must be present. And if you, if you speak to that person, she was still rearrested on breach charges flown all the way back to Ottawa in shackles and spent a total of 49 days in jail. Uh, two weeks of that were solitary confinement because she was uh, unvaccinated and they had to do the quarantine. Right. So, I just, wow. I was 26 hours in, in jail in essentially the drunk tank, I guess. Uh, Ottawa City Police, um, the hotels in the basement there aren't very comfortable for, for that sort of thing. So 26 hours was enough for me. Um, and then I was released on bail. My bail is $120,000. Um, my wife is my surety. Um, and yeah, we were, we were instructed to leave the city of Ottawa within 24 hours, 72 hours to exit the province of Ontario. And, uh. And yeah, and then sit back and wait for two years for trial. And did they impound your truck? They did not. No, I got red out of there. Um, Big Red was parked right on Wellington there for about the first week. We had uh, we had some threats of violence. Antifa was there doing some some iffy stuff for a little while. And so when I when I I'd heard the warnings that they were going to try and sabotage my truck, I uh, I got it the hell out of there. So we got it out of the city. We did a couple slow rolls with it throughout the protest and then it was just it was really busy after that so i uh i spent a lot of time on the ground working with the police working with the city working with the truckers just making sure everybody was safe so i didn't really have a lot of time to be monitoring the truck so it was at a safe spot outside the city that's good and because i love that truck the truck's badass i really <laughs> i really enjoy seeing that truck out <laughs> she's, uh, she's actually started tearing it apart yesterday so she's uh we're gonna we're gonna go through the the ass end of it, make sure all the brakes and and everything's all good on it, get a safety, get it ready for spring. She's technically retired now for winter, but she has been. I'm I'm itching to drive it. I've been home for a couple of weeks here now, and I keep looking at it in the shop, and now I'm working on it, and I'm like, damn it, I just <laughs> I wish I could take it for a drive. It's like, come on, take me out for a drive. <laughs> Twenty years I've owned that truck. Wow. And was that what what brand truck is that? That's a Kenworth W nine hundred L. Kenworth, yeah. yeah, those are nice trucks. They are, yeah. I actually, uh, I ordered that truck. Somebody else ordered it in two thousand three, and uh, I took, uh, I, I put my name on it because it was coming in anyway in stock, and 
Yeah, it was one of those days you walked into the, the Kenworth dealership in, in November 27th, 2003, and I seen this truck sitting in the back there, and I just fell in love with it right from the start. And um, I've owned a lot of trucks since then, and Red has been my flagship, my baby. She's always been the one that, the, the you know, I've, I've got a lot of history in that truck. It's actually, it's name Big Red comes from my two children when they were toddlers. They used to call it the Big Red truck as, as toddlers, so now she's just known as Big Red. And it's a fitting name. It is, yeah. She's a nice truck. So uh, with the charges, what about the lawsuit? Because we know that they're, what, suing you for $400 million? Yeah, so Tamara and I are both on a, a class action lawsuit, um, citizens of Ottawa. We have a, a young lady named Zexy Lee. She's a, she's a Canadian government employee, works with the Canadian Tax and Revenue Service. Um, she filed a horn injunction against us and then with help from some city councillors, and, uh, and an ambulance chasing lawyer in, in Ottawa, they've uh, launched a $400 million lawsuit against Tamara, myself and other organizers. So that's, it's not certified yet. We're still working our way through the motions on it. We put what they called an anti-slap motion down on it here a couple weeks ago, which essentially, uh, was just, just countering their, their, their narrative, I guess, and, and challenging it in court to see if we can't get the, get some charges, some, some probably some relief on it anyway get it rid of and and it's just uh it's now just going to take its time through the courts so. and how do the the court systems work up there because i know it's different from here in the u.s because you know when i was looking up you know in the trial and how things were going you don't really get too much information on uh what's going on up there but they keep talking about the crown and uh, so kind of explain a little bit of that court process. So we have, uh, Tamara and I, well, we have a crown prosecutor. So the crown prosecutor works on behalf of the government. Um, we've had, uh, we've had up of, up to, up to three homicide investigators, which are the investigating officers on our case. Um, we know it's political. We know it's upper management of government that's, that's pushing this narrative or this agenda. They, you know, we heard it from, from outside sources that were inside the cabinet room of Justin Trudeau himself had said, you know, he wants us to pay for what we did to his government. And that's exactly what was said. And you can kind of see where they're going with that right now. There's four months of trial for, for these charges. Um, they're seeking a max penalty of 10 years in federal prison for us if we're convicted of all charges. So, um, basically it's just, it's just, we're in the system now and we'll be there for, for quite some time. And even if we're acquitted of all charges here on the, on these, these charges now, the uh, the history with the crown prosecutors are appealing anyone so any protesters have been gone through the system now that have been acquitted the crown is automatically appealing them just to drag them to the court system even further so it's kind of a the punishment is in the process kind of thing yeah i kind of find it weird that they they adjourned it and you're not going to go back until march, march. We've that... actually it's been three three different times now so trial started for us on september fifth it went for three weeks and then we came home for i believe the first break was three weeks and then uh, we went back to ottawa i believe in the middle if not the end of october somewhere in there and then it's been this has been the third time that we've we've driven and i drive to ottawa all the time i enjoy driving over flying the weather's been decent up here so um yeah number three times so if we go back in march that'll be the fourth time and uh, it's just a lot. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Now, uh, 
we know that the World Health Organization is trying to, you know, take the country's national sovereignties away because of, you know, a potential pandemic they can step in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know that Trudeau is high up in the World Economic Forum, and that's what Klaus Schwab really wants, and that's part of their agenda. Mm-hmm. So just explain a little bit about how Canada under Trudeau has just really taken it to a communist uh kind of a communist country now it has they've just kind of yeah we're like a police state up here now um the life under justin trudeau in this country in the last nine years that he's been in power he uh you know you've got your gun control in place we're no longer allowed to buy a handgun if it's even legally registered anymore handguns are now prohibited in canada you can't transfer those if you own them and the RCMP now have issued statements to anyone owning a pistol in Canada that you're now to, to relinquish that to the government and they will destroy it appropriately. Um, we've lost the right to have a, a 1022 Ruger 25 shot clip. You know, you can have the Ruger rifle. You just can't have the 25 shot 22 caliber clip anymore. That's deemed illegal in Canada. Anything over a five shot capacity now is illegal. Anything semi-automatic, um, bolt action is is completely fine essentially for hunting but uh, we've lost a lot of our our privileges up here um at one point during the trucker convoy there you had uh, the the government was talking about implementing pr- interprovincial check stops where they wanted to, to 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 monitor people running in between provinces up here um it just, it didn't seem like it was going to end. And, um, you know, some of the stuff that they've done through the COVID and they used against us throughout the COVID, you know, I know a lot of people out there that, uh, that, that watched their loved ones die on an iPad or through a piece of plate glass window in a care home or in a hospital. Um, nobody wants to talk about that anymore, but those wounds are still pretty deep from a lot of people out here. The amount of mental illness and, uh, suicide drug addiction has gone skyrocketed right through the roof but we like i said but nobody talks about it anymore we we just kind of erased it and we move on to the next thing yeah i was pretty amazed too that i found out about the maid uh program that you guys have up there the medically assisted suicide if you're having a bad day justin trudeau's made it really easy for you just to off yourself and uh and get out of the system it's uh you know, and he's offered that to military, elderly, children. If you're if you're confused, um, you so can... they are going after the children because I had heard at one point that they were going after like uh, twelve years and up, is what I had heard. I don't know if anything ever came of it, but I know some people that were talking about it. Yeah, I don't know the specifics on the dates or on the age ranges. Any, and I haven't done enough research into it, but I know that it's there. If you uh, if you want maid service, you can you know, legally assisted suicide yourself and, and be gone, which is, which is not the way it should be. And it's, uh, it just flabbergasts the shit out of me that we're at this point in time where, okay, yeah, you can go ahead and go kill yourself. Yep. We'll help you. It's scary, isn't it? We're that part of, you know, I was arguing with some people on Twitter here a little while ago. I, I like to piss the, the liberals off on Twitter and, and toy around and play with them. One of the things Canada is implementing here shortly is, or they're trying to implement is the universal basic income. So any tax bracket, you know, I don't even know what the range of the tax bracket is, but you're basically, you're going to receive a check for $2,000. If you're working at McDonald's for 15, they've, they've adjusted the minimum 
minimum wage rate to $15 an hour across the board throughout Canada. So you're working at McDonald's for $15 an hour and that's your career job now. The government will step in and hand you a check for $2,000 a month over and above what you're already making. And uh, they're good. It, it will demolish what's left of this country. Our debt range, we're just like the U.S. Our debt range is so high right now, yet the government doesn't seem to realize that there's, 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 there has to be a spending limit somewhere on here. We can't just keep going down this road. Where is all this money going from and where are people expecting, you know, it to, it to lead us? Right. And, you know, like your country and many other countries are tied to the U.S. economy and our economy is just about to collapse. Yeah. I mean, we're right there. It's just a matter of time. They're just propping it up for the moment until they can get their plans in place. So I just have a feeling that 2024 is probably going to be the year that we'll see the economic crash of the U.S. I, uh, I just actually got back from Phoenix. My wife, my daughter and I, sorry, flew down to America Fest in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago and took part in that. What an amazing show that was. They had Donald Trump Jr. and Tucker Carlson. And, you know, there was every, just about everybody for four full days. It was speaker after speaker after speaker. And, and a lot of the talk was about pushing forward with the left's agenda right now. And where are we going to go with this? And how are we going to stop this? And, and especially even like the Biden, Biden regime, uh, it's it's headed for destruction and we all know that, but you know, what's it going to take for half the country to wake the hell up? I don't think we can. I think there's just so many people that are just stuck in this bubble that, you know, well, I can't do anything about it. So what, you know, what can I really do? I heard that last thing at a, at a family supper. I was at where one of the family members said, well, my vote really doesn't matter anyway. So what can I do? And one of the people that was sitting beside me said, if more, more Canadians, you know, that, that's the trouble with more Canadians think like that, unfortunately. And the reason why we're in the position we're in right now is exactly because of that mindset. And, uh, yeah, stopped him dead in his tracks. He didn't really know what to say, though. Yeah, my my whole theory on it is we can do something. We don't have to get go up in arms against our government. All it takes is abolishing this government, and that's by sitting our ass at home and not doing a damn thing 100%. and letting it crash naturally. Yep. Quit paying taxes, you know. Um, it's they can't arrest us all. They can't hang no, us all. So no. It's interesting. One of the people that I met down in Phoenix, it was uh, Jacob Chansley, um, January sixth man. Um, that that guy spent twenty seven months in jail. I think ten months in solitary confinement for, you know, essentially being led into the into the house down there and walking around not touching a thing or not hurting anything. You know, that kid that got paid an ultimate price and he's running for Congress now, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And, uh, you know, you had, uh, Enrique Tario from the proud boys. He was arrested and he wasn't even in DC. He was across the river in Arlington, Virginia on comms and they arrested him. And so now he's been sentenced, uh, I think 15, 20 years. Holy. Yeah. So him and Stuart Rhodes and I mean, it was just all one big FBI operation and we all know it. Yep. the videos have come out. Uh, yeah, there were some unsavory people that got in there and did some stupid shit, but nobody deserves to be sentenced 20 years in prison for something that our own government set up. It definitely looks like they did, doesn't it? The evidence is definitely pointing that direction, but they're so far into it now. They won't admit anything anyway. Right. Right. And so with the with the trucker convoy now, are all the accounts still frozen? 
so we had to yeah we had to agree um to release all the the money that was donated there was about uh 1.4 million dollars sitting in a bank account that tamara and i had access even though it was frozen we didn't have access to it it was sitting in that bank account frozen we had to we had to agree that the the courts were to take that money over so between the money that was sitting in uh, a Canadian company called Stripe, which is the payment processing company that takes the money out of your bank account and essentially puts it into Give Send Goes, and then and then would have released to us. There was three point five million dollars. So all in all, with with all the funds, there was about five point five million dollars Canadian that was agreed to go into an escrow account through courts and be held there until all these uh, court cases were finished with. So. My when that happened, then our bank accounts were unfrozen. But my personal bank accounts were frozen for three and a half months. Um, there's certain people that are still in the in the movement, like Pat King out of Alberta. Almost two years later, his bank accounts are still frozen. Uh, a lot of us have got access to our bank accounts now. My corporate bank accounts, as well as my joint account with my wife, was frozen for three or four days, I believe, before it was. You know, they they, they did some illegal activity there by even freezing a joint account or a corporate account, but. They did what they could to try and make us look bad, right? Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, it's just, it's a mind blowing to me. You can't protest against your government now. You know, you're automatically deemed a supremacist, a a terrorist, um, you know, just a bad apple in society. And they want to just drag you through the mud, whether it's propagandizing the media or just even having people go into social media and personally attack you there's uh there's an amazing documentary if you don't mind i'll just i'll, I'll plug this one plug it it's uh, it's it's called unacceptable and it's it's a documentary based on the trucker the freedom convoy it gets into all you know the funds it gets into the government and the covid mandates leading up to the protest it it you know it's a documentary that will bring you through all every range of emotions that you can have you'll be you'll be crying one minute and you'll be you'll be happy the next but um documentary uh unacceptabledoc.ca is the website for that you can view it on uh, freedomnetwork.ca is another website but all in all if you google unacceptable documentary you'll be able to find a way to it i highly encourage anybody to to find a way to watch it you can stream it online i'm just not exactly sure how to do that but it's uh it's an amazing film and uh it really enlightens you just actually what happened through throughout the protest well i'll definitely plug that in the uh prologue of the show so that way that people can go and look at it and i also on my link tree have your uh, big red merch shop so people can go in and purchase some merch and help out with legal fees and and the things that you need help with. I appreciate that. Yeah. Big red uh, um, was many people and most people know was cartoonized here by an artist out of Regina, Saskatchewan. He turned uh, the iconic big red into a cartoon version of it. And we've, uh, we've got that logo now on, uh, on stickers and bumper stickers and hoodies. And, uh, you can, you can get just about anything you want there and the proceeds go to, you know, running the business to while I've been gone and a lot of the legal fees here. So we were, uh, we were given estimates for our legal fees right off the bat when the trial started at a certain time, but because trial, the courts now drug on for as many months as it has, we've both Tamara and I have both watched our legal, uh, fees triple in costs. So. It's definitely yeah, I can only imagine. Uh, so what are your lawyers? How do they feel about the court case going so far? 
Well, they they're pretty confident in in, in the in our uh, ability to count. Um, it's all just you know, like I said, the punishment and the process. So we've got a really really strong defense. Anyone that's testified against us has been has been you know proven wrong in the cross-examination or uh you just discredited them everybody including the, there was seven witnesses that came in there from the city of ottawa that were basically doing a witness impact statement in the middle of a prosecution side of trials so um they're good but with anything like i said before the, the crown is going to appeal any decision if, if we're acquitted so uh, it's just it's just going to take a lot of money unfortunately and watching our legal fees triple now and uh They'll, they'll, they'll keep going up here and, you know, I don't know if it'll ever stop. Um, thank goodness right now that there's a couple organizations that are helping us out with some of the costs. The Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms is helping me out. Um, JCCF is the, is the abbreviation for that. And the Democracy Fund is helping out Tamara with her legal fees too as well. So there's good organizations out there that are assisting us in our troubles. And uh, we greatly appreciate all the help we're getting right now. How's Tamara holding up? <laughs> she's one tough cookie you know that that uh she'll she'll give you a big hug and she'll cry on your shoulder in a heartbeat she's very emotional she's very but she's also so strong-willed and she's very powerful she's uh she's an itty-bitty little thing there's not much to her but uh she's a, she a lot of fight in her it looks like oh she's got so much fight in her she's a she's a rock singer so she she, she plays in band uh, on the weekends and that and it's been kind of tricky. We've got conditions against each other, so we're not allowed to see each other or talk to each other outside the courtroom. Um, but, you know, during the courtroom days, my wife is usually with me and, and her husband, Dwayne, and uh, the four of us sit in the first row of the court, and we can carry on a conversation and think about someday when it'd be just nice to sit down at a bar with four chairs, you know, her and Dwayne and my wife, Raelle, and I, and just sit there and bullshit and have a few drinks and someday we'll get to that you know, it kind of pisses us both off that here we we met each other in january of 2022 and we uh we hung out for like a month and got to know each other and then the government pulled us apart and we haven't had you know we haven't been able to have a conversation together without legal counsel present since so it's uh well, it's it's disheartening to say the least it'd be good whenever you guys uh get acquitted and you guys can get together and just put all this shit behind you and hopefully little Trudeau can move on to, you know, going back to being a dictator and, you know, leave you alone. Yep. Well, he's, uh, he's in it to win it and we're also in it to win it. So we're not going to stop until he's called on all of his, uh, bullshit actions. He's pulled on us in the last number of years here. So what do you think about, I think it's what C11 that they have the internet and the not being able to be able to post news yep. from Canada. Uh, if you uh, if you share something on Facebook right now, it literally blocks you if you're in Canada. So we're not allowed to share news articles. It comes up with a warning right now. Unreal. Can did did you ever think that in this time of your life that you would be going through this? Because I sit here and think about it all the time. I'm like, I'm 47 years old. I would have never thought when I was, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years old that when I turn 47, I'm going to be living in basically communism mm -hmm. in one of the freest countries in the world you know i think one of the things that, that pisses me off the most is when you hear the left side of the the country say you know what freedoms did you really lose and and nobody really understands why you stood up in that and you know i get a lot of letters and a lot of a lot of 
pieces of you know like people send us stuff from all across the country i've got guitars and pins and and posters and calendars and mugs and you name it but i get the letters that people send me and you find out just how desperate some people were throughout the pandemic and how they thought there was no hope and they were they were you know at wit's end and and ready to take their life and one lady wrote in a in a letter to me that the, the government had took an taken everything from her and the only thing she thought she had control of left was how she took her own life and that's powerful stuff and uh, i've got more than one letter from people um stating just how desperate they were and that's that's the thing that people forget about when they when they you know what was it like in the 30s in germany you know I, it didn't all start off with the gas chamber and i don't think people people are so you know, willful to remember history that, you know, this is where we are now. I would like to take a moment to talk about my official sponsor of the Renegades Rant podcast. That's trenot.com backslash Sinmin, C-I-N-M-I-N. Now, this is Cindy Davis, and she is a representative for Trenot. And please go check out her website and check out her shop because she has a lot of amazing products these are for both men and women, and these are products you can trust. Now, they have products such as Enrich. This is a, a fan favorite that's specially formulated to support the body's microbiome and encourage healthy digestion. Also, check out Nourish. Uh, look after your gut, microbiota, and your skin will flourish. This is a GOS prebiotic meal replacement to help improve gut health and nutrition. Also improves gut skin access and increases beauty benefits on the skin. So please, if you would, go check out Cindy Davis and trenot.com backslash Sinman. Now, if you need to get a hold of her, you can also email her at sinman 3 at gmail.com. You can also find her in my link tree in my bio. Thank you. Yeah, and that's the thing. They're trying to get rid of history. They're trying to erase it, getting rid of all the statues and, you know, trying to get rid of some of the films that are still out there yep. that talk about this stuff. And, you know, they just want to make it go away. That way they can continue to indoctrinate these kids. And that's what's wrong with the youth. They're so indoctrinated now. Um and then we're just pounded every day on media with all this indoctrination stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and that we need to accept it. And there's just those of us who want to stand up against it, whether, you know, it's doing what you did with the Freedom Convoy to just being like me, being on, you know, podcasting and on social network, just running my mouth and speaking out against the government. Mm-hmm. But it's people like us that need to continue to put that out there because if not, it's all for nothing. hundred percent. And you know, did I ever think that I would end up leading one of the world's longest convoys or even participating in a protest? I've been a blue collar worker my whole life. Um, I'm the guy, <laughs> if anybody knows my little dog Zippy, somebody's obviously driving through the yard right now cause he's losing his marbles upstairs, but I'm the guy that used to yell at my windshield or pound my fist on the steering wheel and just this frustration for, for the way the country was being run into the ground. And then the next thing you know, I was involved with this movement that, you know, essentially changed the course of history or, or put Canada back on the map for one of the, one of the countries it was standing up against. 
tyranny. Um, I would have never thought in a million years I'd be in that position, but here we are. And, you know, we have you to thank. I mean, you, Tamara, everybody up there that was involved, don't think that the people in the U.S. weren't paying attention because we were. And we were rooting you on, cheering you on. I know a lot of Americans that went up there, American truckers that went up there along the border and helped support. Yep. So, you know, it's it may have been put in media the way they spun it, but we know differently and we know that, you know, you were going up there and you were fighting against a good reason and, and trying to stop these mandates. hundred percent. No. And that's exactly, I wish I could control a little black dog right now, but I can't, he's on his own. <laughs> little zippy. Little zippy. I love the videos that you do with zippy. <laughs> he's quite I, just, I get a good laugh. I can see all my security cameras that there's nobody in the yard right now for and in his mind. He thinks somebody drove by. So he's, <laughs> he's zip. Come here. No, he's on his own now. <laughs> uh, how was it? And I, I was listening to you and Lambo on, on the last show you guys did, hmm. but and he asked you this and I had to add ask you as well. How was it sitting in that courtroom and having to go back through all your social media? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I'd like to apologize to the judge some days, you know, there's uh there's a, there's a way that Chris Barber conducted himself you know, before the Freedom Convoy, and my audience was vastly truckers, I guess. So uh, a little more vocal and a little more, a little more rude and crude. And then when I realized <laughs> that there were so many kids watching the convoy, and there were so many people that, that looked at it a different way, I had to change my ways there. And uh, and I did that. And then, so going back through some of the convoy, the pre-convoy videos, and my you know language and and mannerisms, and I. Uh, I said that too, like you be careful what you put on social media because it's there forever. And, uh, you know, I'll, in a couple of years now, I've changed my language a lot in my newer videos and trying to keep it a little more PG rated for everybody. But yeah, it's different when you're listening to yourself on the, on the screen in the courtroom and you're <laughs> the judge is good. She's uh, she's super, she's super open and listening to everything. Um, and it was funny too, last, well, last week in trial, a picture of Tamara, myself, in front of Big Red on Wellington there, and you got Zippy in the in the driver's window staring <laughs> at us, and the judge said, "Is that a dog in the in the window?" And the, and the crown prosecutor zoomed in on it, and he said, "I believe that dog's name is Zippy." <laughs> the judge is a huge dog fan, so that was pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> so I have to ask you this too: being up in Ottawa now, one of the big things I I look into and I do a lot of deep diving on is the 15 minute city concept. And we know all about Ottawa and there being, you know, 15 minute city concept going up there. Do you see it? I do see it. Actually, you see it coming in the, in the different communities that are being built right now. You also see it in the bike lanes. Um, you know, they've, they've reworked a lot of the streets in Ottawa to have a green lane. Um, you can, you can see how they're setting that, that up all the way near. They're setting it up all across the country right now. It's not just Ottawa. Any large city in Canada is now, you know, designated 15 minute city in the future kind of making right now, but it kind of makes you wonder, you know, like the people in the lower 48, when you got your electric vehicles in the summertime and in your weather's decent all year long, um, you don't have much to worry about, but in Canada here, when you're traveling, you know, across the country in an electric car and it's minus 40, 
people are going to die. People are going to be seriously in, in harm's way when that, that battery power doesn't last as long as it should. And, and what happens if you have a, you know, a grid outage or something happens and people are stuck out in the middle of nowhere, we're in trouble. Yeah, I don't think they really care about that. I think that's part of the plan anyways. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Could be. Yeah. You know, they want to get you all in these 15-minute cities. They don't want people to have personal property. They don't want you to own dogs and, and cats. And that's, you know, you look at what's going on in, in China, and it's been going on there for four years under the complete surveillance and being welded shut in your apartment buildings um, during covid mm-hmm. The, you know they want to bring that shit here to the u.s and i know they want to bring it up there to canada when you got your social credit system that they work on in china right now i mean whether you like it or not we're coming here look at what they've uh look at what they've made into now internet based you know like look at our trucks for instance everything e-logs now somebody monitors you or you can be monitored going down the highway i can look on my on my keep, keep trucking app here and i can see exactly what speed every one of my trucks is doing across the u.s right now in canada remember back in the day when you could do a paper log and just give her yeah yep i did whenever i was working at fedex mm-hmm. i mean you just turn in a paper log at the end of your shift and you're done if you got caught by a dot violating any rules you get your you know you get your ass rode up and and, and shut down for 72 hours and you learned on the side of the highway now they've uh, modified everything to the point where we're just controlled and we keep allowing it this is the scary part yeah and it just I don't understand why people just won't see it. They just, they just continue to ignore it. They don't want to look at it. They just want to say, well, what can I do? I just use in the 1930s analogy in Germany. I mean, it didn't start off with gas chambers and people really get irritated when I use that analogy, but it is the truth. Um, they started using that propaganda, the media, government media propaganda, like what our media companies in Canada are all, all are all owned by the federal government. Their subsidies, they go to those those media networks every year. I think $600 million a few years ago is what went to the, the media companies, the Canadian Broadcasting Company and the CTV and the Global News. They're all run. We don't have a right-wing leaning news organization, organization in Canada other than Rebel News, and it's highly, highly sanctioned by the federal government. I mean, they won't even give interviews to them half the time, anybody from the government. Now, has anybody from the government reached out to you? <laughs> you know, I got a little bit of contact on the conservative side of things. Some of the members on, on like our would have been Republican side, conservative members, um, they're, they're all in support of what happened there. And, uh, they just can't publicly come out and say it because there's so many people that will then, you know, try to crucify them in the media or, or wherever it may be. So we had one of the, one of the province, one of Canada's greatest premiers, as far as I'm concerned, I was in day-to-day consultation with when we were driving across the country and he was just giving us advice and, and making sure that we were, I was aware of what we were up against and what we were going to kind of see. And even at one point said, you know, I think you guys have proven your point. Maybe it's time to come home. And, uh, the media got a hold of the fact that he was even in conversation with me when they confiscated my cell phone under arrest and they used a warrant to break into that cell phone. They downloaded 4,220 pages of cell phone evidence, over 24,000 messages received in the, in the course of a month. And they, uh, they used it against us. They released it to the general, to the courts on a Thursday afternoon, the Friday being a long weekend. And the media organizations had access to my, all my cell phone evidence for the entire weekend messages with my parents, my daughter, my ex-wife, my, my wife, 
Um, and it was the Monday morning before we could get in with my lawyer to put a sealing order in effect. That's what the government's done out here. It's not been a case of, uh, you know, trying it out in the courts. It's been trying out in public opinion. Yeah. So I'm going to check mark that for myself that, uh, the Ohio river is like a stone's throw from my front door. Hmm. So when they come to my house, I'm going to run over there and throw my fucking phone in the river and just, <laughs> yep. What phone? I don't have no phone. <laughs> oh, you know, it was bad too. Cause Tamara told me the morning that I was arrested, she said, you know, you should really leave your phone in the hotel room there, Chris, just in case. And I thought, nah, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> Which it hasn't really done anything, uh, you know, out of the 4,200 pages of evidence, they really, they really <laughs> haven't been able to use much on it against us at all. But the fact that it's just there and they used it, you know to try and publicly humiliate us so yeah and i enjoy watching you troll the trolls <laughs> that shit is that shit was hilarious is watching you on your your tiktok account just <laughs> just mow people down oh you know what they've gotten a little on the out, uh, outrageous side in the last number of weeks here in the last month or so they've decided to to start calling my cell phone number at all hours in the middle of the night here and of course my phone is always muted so i i don't I'd never see it until the morning and then realize, oh, they called 12 times last night. But the one night when I was actually awake at one o'clock in the morning and my, and my phone started ringing, it was myself calling me. <laughs> so I answered it knowing <laughs> full well who it, uh, who it was. We went back and forth and, and then it seems like, you know, they can't get under my skin during the daylight hours on social media. So they have to try and find ways to try and get under my skin after hours and, uh, Man, I think there was about one mum joke there, and the guy lost his marbles on me and, and hung up on me. So, but he, uh, <laughs> there's never a bad mum joke, by the way. I always, you know, I always said that you and, uh, I don't know, you know, Mr. Freedom Stick, yep. but you two were the king of trolling the fucking trolls. I mean, <laughs> the shit you guys. Don't forget do. Jeremy McKenzie, a uh, good old Canadian uh, veteran. Oh, Jeremy yeah. McKenzie, Diagalon. That is the troll. He, he wins the award for the best troll and having the government just hook, line, and sinker there. <laughs> All right, Chris. I, I appreciate you coming on the show, brother. And uh, just let everybody know. Um, where they can find you? Well, the 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 big one would be the Chris Barber Big Red official Facebook page is is one of my Facebook pages. Um, a lot of my TikTok accounts right now are are closed to the public because of the trial and and because of the, of the lawyers and legal advice. So, Big Red nineteen seventy five five is one of my TikTok accounts. I I have three on the go at the moment right now, and the one is a Chris Barber nineteen seventy five. That one's open for all the trolls to come and have some fun with. I try and give them an avenue to uh, to have some some fun, um, as well as bigger nineteen seventy five five on Twitter as well. I believe it's at CB Trucking Ltd. I like to have fun with them and and play back at them, and sometimes they take it a little too seriously. <laughs> and uh, how many TikTok? TikTok accounts have you had? I've oh, I've had a few. I've lost a couple over the years, but I've got three that I play with right now. And uh, of course, I've got the website too. BigRedMerch.ca is where the website is for Big Red. All the pictures and, and the company kind of website. There's a store in the menu on that one where you can see a lot of the stuff that goes on day to day. So, yep. I'm on account number 86 on Ooh, TikTok. Wow. So. <laughs> That's the other thing about being <laughs> I, private, and I've learned to. You know, I still get reports on on comments quite often. I'll 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 leave an you know idiot comment or something like that, and right away it gets it gets uh, uh, reported. But uh, I've tried I've I've refined myself now where I, even I, I get reported and I usually win the appeals back. So 
Yeah, everybody keeps telling me I need to go private, but you know, I like having fun and I always keep keep 15 emails, you know, back just so I can go ahead and make another account in two minutes and be back up. (laughs) They always say, you always hear people say, well, I'm an asshole. Well, I'm not an asshole. I'm a a hemorrhoid that irritates assholes. So, (laughs) Like Tom Morazzo wrote in his uh, Convoy book, uh, he said that Chris Barber's not really a troll. He's a counter troll. I kind of agree with him after that. There's a little bit of that there. I don't usually start it, but I always engage when when somebody comes out. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you came on the show, brother. I really appreciate you. do some more videos with Zippy. I love that shit. <laughs> Zippy's awesome. Yeah, I got four dogs, so I'm a dog owner and I'm a dog lover. So I, I'm right there with you as far as you know having having dogs. I have a little Boston uh, Terrier, and he's just a little asshole. He just <laughs> he's perfect, yeah, <laughs> just like something. me. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I have the most amount of fun. I've got Zippy inside the house here, and then you, of course, we have Charlie, who's our great Pyrenees yard dog and and those two between those two I think they shared the same brain cell a lot of the times but (laughs) (laughs) all right everybody that's the show thank you again Chris Barber for being on the show and just remember we the ungovernable thank you for listening to the renegades rant podcast you can find the Kentucky renegade on TikTok Instagram or Twitter but the easiest way is his link tree which you can find in his bio Please like, follow, share the show, and remember, be ungovernable.